but it is good to be reminded of them. And so let's look at Psalm 16. Let's read the entire chapter tonight. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lions are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Uh, we see in this chapter, and I'm reminded of several things, and we'll get to them in just a moment. Uh, but I'm certainly thankful as we've been reminded on Sunday mornings, the fact that we have a Savior and God loved us enough to send His Son to save our sins. What a wonderful thought. thought that God would redeem us. God would save us. He would uh, keep us from uh, perishing, that eternal, uh, being lost for eternity. And to think about that, don't ever get over the love of God to save you. But even beyond that salvation, which if that's all God did for us, we... we He's worthy of being praised for all of eternity. But God allows us to serve Him after He saves us. And we need to be reminded that God tells us how we can have peace, how we can have joy. The life of the Christian is not an easy one. When you got saved, life didn't become perfect. Life, All your obstacles didn't just go away. In many cases, they became more obvious because you have now an adversary working against you as a child of God. But God tells us how we can have peace, how we can have joy, how we can have happiness. And I am of the firm belief and conviction that a Christian should have joy. Not only can we have it, we should have it. We, we can have peace. Not only can we have it, we should have it. And we can have all the things that go with it. Tonight, I want to focus in verse number two on this phrase, Thou art my Lord. Thou art my Lord. And we'll use the entire chapter tonight to just be reminded of some things, some benefits of the fact that He is my Lord. I don't serve a dead God. Uh, why, why do you have, somebody asked, why do you have so much peace? Because thou art my Lord. Why are you going to continue on? Because thou art my Lord. And we need to be reminded of who we have as our God. And so I want to use that phrase to get us started tonight. And uh, we'll look at some things in this chapter. Father, we thank you for uh, your many blessings. We're so undeserving, undeserving of your love, undeserving of your favor, but yet uh, you have bestowed your love upon us. Uh, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for our day of salvation. And Father, I thank you for the church. I thank you for your people and, and, and how you have blessed and you allow us to serve you. 
And Father, I pray that tonight some, something says, a reminder tonight uh, would give us the strength that we need to get through the week, would uh, remind us of the uh, hope that we have in you, uh, remind us of the privilege we have of serving you. I pray that you'll bless your people, for it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Uh, I in, love the Psalms, and uh, I enjoy reading through the Psalms, and I notice right away in, in chapter number 16, uh, Psalm of David, David says in the first verse, in thee do I put my trust. In order for you and I to say with conviction, thou art my Lord, we must put our trust in him. We put our trust in Christ and what Christ did for our salvation, but as we live every day as a Christian, what are you trusting in? Are you trusting in your own strength? That can be taken from you in an instant. Are you trusting in your own wisdom? The longer you live, you'll face things that will remind you that uh, our wisdom comes up short. Do we trust in others? I'm thankful to have the Emmanuel Baptist Church and that we can depend on one another and we can pray for one another and we can encourage one another. But there's going to be things we all face that nobody can help us. And so therefore, if our trust is in man, uh, we're going to realize that we're going to come up lacking. We would all agree tonight to, be, to say that it's important for us to say, Thou art my Lord, and be reminded who is our God. He is the Almighty, and He is, as I preached this morning, He is in eternity. He inhabits eternity. He is the creator of all things. He is the Holy One. He is the one we should be putting our trust in. I don't know what you face tonight, but let me just encourage you to keep your trust in the Lord. Well, Pastor, I wish I knew how this was going to end up, keep your trust in the Lord, because He knows how it's all going to end. We live in a day of uncertainty, and I don't know who to believe. You, you listen to this person, and they say this. You listen to this person, they say the exact opposite, and, and, and I don't even know what to believe. Well, tonight, let's just determine that we are going to keep our trust in the Lord. It gives me great confidence, and it will give you great confidence to have your, not only have your trust there, but because we put our trust there to be able to say, Thou art my Lord. And also, by way of introduction, I want to contrast that, if, if we can, with verse number 4. Their sorrow shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. I want to remind us all of what we really know. There is no joy, there is no happiness in following other gods. Uh, it's Him we should put our trust. You say, well, pastor, we're here. Uh, we know we're saved. We know we have a God, uh, the, the Almighty. Well, and I'm not sure how any of us, verse number four would apply to. Do you realize that there are Christians today who education is their God? My Bible tells me their sorrow shall be multiplied who hasten after another God. I'm not against knowledge. I'm not against education, wisdom. We ought to put a higher price tag on, and that don't always come in the classroom. But a, a diploma is not going to see you through the valleys. The, your sorrows will be multiplied, but not depending on God. You realize there are some Christians 
And certainly I understand that in, in, in context of this as well are the false gods of this world. Those that worship and serve the false gods, their sorrow shall be multiplied. This world who rejects the Almighty, it, they're not going to get happier. They're running out of people to blame for their misery. And I can tell them, and I would, I would point out tonight that the Bible says God has said their sorrows are just going to continue to multiply because they chase after other gods. You study the history of Israel, and we see much of this throughout the Bible, and certainly in our Sunday school lessons through De Deuteronomy, we're reminded of the history of Israel and how whenever they went after another god, it did not work out. Miserable seeing our own country today. It was in God we trust. One nation under God. And yet we want to push God away. Who, who would think that in our public schools you cannot even, you, you're not supposed to pray, you're not supposed to have the Bible, you're not supposed to have all of those things, and yet we wonder why our sorrows are multiplied. We were much happier as a nation when the Bible was where the Bible should be. But our sorrows have been multiplied. As a Christian, let me tell you, if you put another God in front of the Lord, it's not going to make you happy. Chasing a dollar is not going to make you happy. Making money a God is not going to make you happy. It's better for you to make less money and be in the house of God on the Lord's day. It's not going to make you happy. Hey, young, young teenagers, listen to me. God will make you happier in a career, Will. Young adults, listen to me. God will make you happier than a career, Will. I'm not against that. I think you ought to take advantage of the nation that God put us in and the freedom and and there's advantages to being in a capitalist nation. Take all the advantages you can, but you better not make it your God. Because my Bible tells me sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. I want to use this chapter tonight, and I don't think I'll be very long, but I want, to, I want us to be reminded of the importance of of putting our trust in the Lord and being able to say, Thou art my Lord. We're sitting in our own, seeing in our own nation today, Christians, it's easy to say, Thou art my Lord. But in many ways and in many places, the conviction we have behind that is being tested. So you and I better be reminded that we better have our trust in the Lord we better have God in His proper place. Those that hasten after another God, their sorrows shall be multiplied. Let me remind you of a few things tonight, and this is an encouragement to me. I trust it will be an encouragement to you. Look at verse number 6. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Notice the next phrase. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I'm thankful for my heritage. Let me just first say I'm thankful for my American heritage. It, it bothers me 
to see the way that history is being rewritten. Uh, our history is our history. Uh, I'm thankful for the heritage that I have. Uh, I'm thankful to live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. I'm thankful for it. Let me, let, me, let, me just, let me just, I haven't said this in a while, and I probably don't say it enough, but you got to read your Bible. That's not what I wanted to say enough, but, I, you know, I'm going to write. But it wouldn't hurt to read a history book, too. Uh, our heritage is taken from us, and we don't have any idea that it's being taken from us. But more than that, in context of what we're reading, I'm thankful for my Christian heritage. I'm thankful for my Baptist heritage. So you're looking at one preacher who's not ashamed to be a Baptist. I'm not ashamed of my Baptist heritage. I'm not ashamed of the fact that our forefathers, it, it ought to make our resolve even stronger in our beliefs to know that our forefathers were persecuted because they wouldn't baptize their babies. I have a goodly heritage. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up in an independent Baptist, fundamental Baptist home. I'm not bitter about it. I'm not angry about it. I'm not upset about it. I'm quite pleased with it. I'm quite happy about it. I have a good heritage. I have a heritage as an American that I'm proud of. I have a heritage as a Baptist I'm proud of. But I have a goodly heritage. Who do I trace my heritage back to? To the Almighty. To the God of all times. To the God of the ages. And let me say, number one, as we consider where we put our trust and the fact that we can say, Thou art my Lord, let me just go on record tonight to remind all of us, number one, God has a track record. God has a history. It is recorded in this book all the times that God was faithful, God was true, God blessed, God intervened, God provided, God showed grace, God showed mercy, God blessed His people in spite of them. I have a heritage that is of God, and it is a good heritage. I don't understand why somebody, when they have their salvation and they have that heritage presented to them, to to choose the way of another God. When the Bible says, your sorrows shall be multiplied. Listen to me, and especially the young people tonight, if you chase this world, you're going to shed a lot of tears. You will live with a broken heart. You will live with sorrow. Well, Pastor, I'm not sure I don't believe that. The same Bible that tells you you're saved, you believe in that. The same Bible says that sorrows are multiplied that chase another God. Besides that, I don't understand why somebody would leave their goodly heritage. Because God has a track record. I look back at my own life and 
I haven't lived as long as some of you have lived. There's even fewer and fewer people I can say that about as the longer I live. But I can look back on my 46 years. God has a track record of my own life. He's been faithful. He's been true. He has blessed me beyond what I deserve. And if we're all truthful tonight, that's the testimony of everybody in this room. God has a track record. Put your trust in God because God has always been faithful. He's not going to fail you now. He, he didn't run out of strength in 2020. He didn't run out of power in 2020. Uh, he has a track record. Number two, let's look at verse number, let's read verse seven, but we'll get down to verse number eight. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reigns also instruct me in the night seasons. Verse eight, I have set the Lord always before me. I'll get to the point I want to make in just a moment, but notice what David is saying. I have set the Lord always before me. He was aware of, the, of having God's presence. He was aware of having the right mindset of life. He was aware of always being in the right position with God. He was always hiding behind the Lord. You know what will help you in this life is if you hide behind the Word of God. You hide behind Him. He's our strength. He's my defense. I said it in passing this morning. It's certainly true, and I said it just a moment ago. I, uh, uh, I, I, they run together. One, sometime today I said this. Um, we have an enemy. After salvation, you have somebody working against you. Because Satan himself, he knows his future. He knows about that second death I preached about this morning. He knows in the Scripture prior to that, he knows what his fate is. So he wants to deceive, but he wants to take as many with him as possible. And once you get saved, he knows. There's some who haven't figured eternal security out, but the devil knows that once you're saved, you're always saved. And so, therefore, he's going to do everything he can to wreck your life, to work against you so that you can't influence anybody else to salvation. But it would be good for us to have and hide ourselves behind the Lord. Notice what the Bible says. I have set the Lord always before me because. Now he's going to give a reason why he does that. He is at my right hand. Now let me say statement number two tonight. Uh, God is our defense. He's our defense because he is at my right hand. Well, as you say it, that right hand, that is, he's speaking of, that is where your defender is. That's where his defense is. He is always at my right hand defending me. You and I are not aware of what God keeps us from. You're not aware of it. Uh, you're not aware of the spiritual warfare. We know perhaps it goes on, but we're not aware to the extent the spiritual warfare takes place around us. You don't know what God preserves us from. Well, you, you, you don't know how God protects us. You think sometimes you're lucky? Well, I got through that. It may be somebody's prayers that God intervened on your behalf because of their prayers. I was reminded this past week by one of my 
children, one of my teenage daughters, or it may have been both of them, um, they said their youth director reminded them of this and how it was, I'll put it this way. Dad, is that the bridge you used to jump off of into Black Creek? No, it's not that one. It was this one, which is it's twice as high. <laughs> Who was there with you? Oh, just some of the teen guys and your youth director. <laughs> that was fun. Probably not the smartest, but I was taught from a child, you follow the leadership that God has. <laughs> and now that I'm reminding myself of this, I'm thinking, he's the youth director. <laughs> we jump off that bridge. In the Black Creek. You know why it's called Black Creek, right? Because you can't see in it. Well, how, how do you know that was going to be safe? We didn't. There were people down there saying, I don't see nothing, so you must be okay. There were times also that my parents would be out of town. My, pray for my mom. She's not here, so I hope she's not on the live stream tonight. And we had a swimming pool in the house we, we were renting, and I would say it's about 10, 12 feet away from the house. And again, just following my leadership, let's run, get on the roof and run and jump into the pool. Okay. Now, again, teenagers, what? Don't, don't go home and go, well, pastor did it, so no, no. There's a lot of things pastor does that you're not doing. Let's start, let's start with those first. You know, looking back on that, that was probably stupid. All I, one of us would have to do is trip, and it, it was that far away. But we made it to the deep end. Say, Pastor, why are you even bringing that up? Because I had people praying for me, Lord, protecting. They didn't realize how important those prayers were. Lord, watch over him. And God had a purpose for my life. So he's my defense. He's my protection. But to put a different application on that is when the devil wants to defeat us and he wants to work against us and he wants to fight us in our own flesh. He is our defense. He's at our right hand defending us. You say, is the cause of Christ under attack today? Absolutely it's under attack. It's always been under attack. What are we to do? We're to hide behind the Lord. He's at our right hand. He's our defense. There's an advantage to saying, I put my trust in God. Thou art my Lord. He's always at our right hand. 
There's a lot of victories we take credit for that we really had nothing to do with. Because he's our defense. Number three is also found in verse number eight. He is at my right hand. I love this next phrase. I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. There's a lot of preachers that need to grab a hold of that. I shall not be moved. Let me just park there for a moment. I'm not going to be moved by the critic. I'm not going to be moved by a deacon. I'm not going to be moved by a deacon's wife. I'm not going to be moved by anything. I shall not be moved. And I'm not just picking on the deacons and their wives. I I wasn't going to say my own wife, but notice what number three. He's our strength. I can say that I shall not be moved, but I don't say it in pride. I don't say it so I can be patted on the back. Because the only reason I can say it is because he's at my right hand. Because we are, please grasp this, we're just flesh. We're weak. We're no match for our adversary. But because I have set the Lord always before me, friend, I want to be in church because I kind of have to be. I'm the pastor. But I want to be in church because it strengthens me, it encourages me, it edifies me. But I want to be close to the things of God because I want God to be at my right hand. I want Him to be before me. I want Him to be my defense. And in Him being my defense, He's also my strength. I can say I shall not be moved, not because I'm more stubborn than anyone else, not because I'm a better Christian than anybody else, but because God is at my right hand fighting battles for me. And as long as I depend on Him, as long as I hide behind Him, I can say I shall not be moved. So our preachers are moved because they get out from behind God. You know how church members are moved? Christians are moved, they get up from behind God. And, and there's words that we say sometimes as Christians, and they're so revealing. Every time I hear it, I hear it from a young person or anybody in general, well, Pastor, I can handle this. I can't. I got to hide behind God. Well, from a preacher's perspective, well, Pastor, I can go to this place and and I can be a part of this and I can fellowship with all of these and it not affect me. I can't. I, I might like them. So I have to hide behind God. Because I want to be able to say, as we've been talking about the Apostle Paul, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. How do you think he got there? He hid behind God. He depended on Him. I trust that tonight you want to be faithful. You want to go all the way to the end being faithful for God. Let me help you and see what David said. He said, I've set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. He's my defense. I shall not be moved. 
if you and I finish our race, is but by the grace of God. The only way we can is but by the grace of God. The longer you've been saved, you've got to read the Bible more, not less. The longer you've been saved, you need to learn to pray more, not less. You need to depend on Him more, not less. Depend on God. He is your defense, and in His defense, He's also your strength. Number four, and finally, we see in verse number 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Number four is simply, we start with verse number one. We put our, put, I put my trust in God. Verse number two, the title of our message tonight, Thou art my Lord. The end of the chapter, we see the result. Number four, we enjoy the joy of His presence. I read from Revelation, I read from Revelation the last several weeks in, in, in the messages on John 3.16, and I'll be there some more in the next couple of weeks. But we read those passages and we get an idea of how wonderful heaven is going to be. And you think about, and you're trying to imagine with your finite mind, your limited knowledge and wisdom, what heaven is going to be like. And you read those passages that, as we read this morning, that says there's no light there. Why is there no light? Because He's the light of the city. Think about that. He, Jesus, is the center. He is who it's about. Can you imagine the joy we enter in His presence? I've often imagined what that's going to be like. I can't get a clear picture. God doesn't come to me in visions like apparently He comes to others. But to enter into the presence of our Savior, in the presence is fullness of joy. We're going to have our glorified bodies. We're going to be in His presence. There'll be no sin. There'll be no limitations. What, what joy is that going to be? But notice what the Bible says also. In the presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The wording is different than what we see in verse number 8. Because He is at my right hand... He's at that place of defense. In verse number 11, at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. In, in verse number 11, is speaking of a place of honor. Do you realize that God tells us in His Bible, we saw it this morning, that nothing that defiles will be in heaven. How many of you are going to be there one day? Think about that. We're sinners. There, there, there's nothing good about our works. But God has cleansed us from all unrighteousness through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the pleasures are forevermore. Guess who is going to be the honored guest in heaven? Those who Christ died for and received salvation. Next time you start having a pity party about how God doesn't love you, think for a moment about what God has done for you. And think for a moment that He saves you. And there is that new heaven. There will be that new earth. 
And we'll spend an eternity there with Him. What peace and what joy are we going to have? I've said this before, and I'll remind us of this tonight, and I'll end with this. I'm looking forward to enjoying heaven. I'm looking forward to enjoying being with my Savior. But I don't think a Christian has the weight to get to heaven to enjoy being saved. And if I'm going to enjoy His presence in eternity, I can enjoy His presence now. When I come to the house of God, I don't want to come to be entertained. I want to come and feel His presence. I want to know that God has met with us. What is going to encourage you to carry your burden, to deal with your heartache, to go out in this world and to stay clean and stay pure and to be a witness for Him is to know that when we all gather together, God was with us and God did a work with us. The entertainment leaves you when you leave the building. In the morning when I get up, I can open and I will open my Bible and enjoy His presence. If I just don't feel close to God, let me help you. Open this book. And God does sometimes hide himself, and God does sometimes say, just be still. But I can still, whenever I'm seeking his will, whenever I'm, I'm, he's doing a work in my heart, I can open the word of God, and I can enjoy his presence. There is joy in his presence. Anybody ever been grumpy? I'm looking around. Yeah, some of you are. Everybody, anybody ever been mad? Just, just upset. I have. I know you see my calm demeanor, and I'm easy to get along with. But on occasion, about once every other year, I get upset. But you know, there's been times when I've been upset when I've opened this book. But I've never been upset after spending time in it and closing it. There's been times I've had fear in my life. And I was afraid when I opened it. But in His presence, I got the strength I needed. There are times when life happens and we have, we, have, we have broken hearts, we have burdens. But let me tell you, you can enjoy His presence, and there's fullness of joy in His presence. You want me to tell you how to enjoy His presence before we get to the other side? Spend time with Him in prayer. My Bible tells me that when I pray, I enter into His presence. I enter into the presence of the Almighty God, the one who wrote the laws of science, the one who breaks them at will, the one who controls all things, the one who keeps my heart beating in my chest, the one whose air I breathe, the one whose ways are above our ways. I can spend time with Him when I bow my head and say, Dear God,
I enter into his presence in prayer. There's joy that comes with that. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. There's just nothing better than serving God. Well, Pastor, it's, it's not easy. No, there are challenges. Can I tell you what your greatest challenge is? It's you. It's you. It's the flesh that you have. That's why we've got to say, God, I'm going to put my trust in you. You are my Lord, and we live our life to just be in his presence. Our goal as a church should not be the most popular, to be the most popular church in town. Because the closer we get to, that, that doesn't mean you don't have to be a jerk either. Because the closer we get to Christ's return, the preaching like I've been preaching on Sunday morning is, is going to be rejected by those who have been deceived. But I want God to feel at home in the Emmanuel Baptist Church. When we leave on Sunday, we get out on Sunday night about 9, 30, 10 o'clock, I want us to know that we've met with God. Or can I say it like this? God's met with us. Now, Monday morning, can I tell you how to enjoy his presence? Mondays are, are hard. We'll get up early enough to open your Bible and spend some time with God. You know, you can even... Have joy in the traffic. Take some time to say, God, I need to talk to you, or I'm going to say some words I probably shouldn't say. The point is, we can spend time with him. When we get to eternity, all of eternity is going to be about him. Let's enjoy that now. In the Lord, I put my trust. He's my Lord. Let's not make that something we just say, but it's something that we live. I've put my trust in Him. He is my Lord. There's benefits of that. He's our defender. He's our strength. He's the one that we can depend on. We can spend time with Him. May it be so in our life. Father, I pray that you'll take the truths tonight. Use them. May the Spirit of God remind us of some things this evening.